Here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to overview the book of Jude. And we're going to read the whole book, which is all of 25 verses. It's very short. Um, We're going to explore three big themes, and then we're going to apply them. So if you want to follow along, and I I, I always think it's good to have your Bible open uh, to just follow along. Um, it's, It's the second to last book in the Bible. So if you just find Revelation at the very back and then flip backwards, uh, do it slowly because Jude might just be on one page. Um, so that's how you can find Jude. And I'm going to read this whole book and then we'll explore three big themes and then apply them. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men see the lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him these men are grumblers and fault finders they follow their own evil desires they boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage but dear friends Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you. 
who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So there's three big themes of Jude that I just want to introduce today. And they are that the world is a dark place. That we are to contend for the faith and that God will keep us to the end. The world is a dark place. We're to contend for the faith right now. And God will keep us to the end. So the first big theme is that the world is a dark place. And the darkness of the world is due to the sin. Sin is just a word that means missing the mark. The etymology, the, where that word comes from, is archery. If, it, if the archer would shoot the arrow and he'd miss the mark, they'd yell out, sin! So sin is missing the mark, and this is why the world is such a dark place. If you doubt that this is one of the big themes of Jude, uh, you might have checked out for about 70% of the book. This slide, this next slide, shows the whole book of Jude, and I have the gray area where it's not talking about the sinfulness, the darkness of the world, and the black area is where it is talking about that. So uh, that's the macro picture, or you can look at a micro picture, a, a small, small picture of the darkness of the world in the book of Jude. Verse 15, it's kind of a summary of, the whole, of that whole black section, which is, it says, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, and listen, to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they've done in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken. So did you see a pattern? Ungodly, 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 ungodly. And that's not just the case for the world at Jude's time. That's still the case the world today. Open a newspaper, open your Facebook news feed, watch the news, especially the world news. They open with major crimes, scandals. People are trying to steal your identity through an Equifax, you know, uh, security breach. And, and I read last night, there's even scammers who are calling you trying to act like they're from Equifax. Hey, I just need to confirm some details. A and they're, so they're, they're trying to use the insecurity to, to make you feel secure, but they're actually stealing your information. <laughs> so the, the, the world news will go through stories that say there's 20 minutes, you know, of n no commercials, just news. That, that's probably being generous. But 20 minutes of news, 18 minutes of it, the stories about how bad the world is, really. And then they often end, at least when I've watched the world news, they end with like some stories about some puppies or a new panda at a zoo or a five-year-old who's like best friends with this. I mean, you know, 95-year-old neighbor, it's super sweet. But it's, it's just not, it, it, it doesn't do justice to 
exactly how, how lost and how hopeless the world is apart from Christ. They, they want you to come back and watch the show again, and I think they're just afraid, you know, if we just report the news, <laughs> no one is going to want to watch. But the book of Jude, fortunately, does not say, ungodly, 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 we all deserve eternal damnation, oh, look, some puppies, the end. Fortunately, Jude points to the hope that we have and the hope that we are to stand for. So the reason Jude is writing about all of this darkness is he's, he's implying, he's saying, hey, you are to be a light. You are to contend for the faith. If you belong to Jesus, contend for the faith. So since the world is so dark and ugly, here's the second big theme. We are to contend for the faith. Verse three, he basically says, I didn't really want to write about this. I wanted to write about our common salvation and how great it is to be saved by grace through faith. But I felt it was necessary for me to write to you to contend for the faith. And so what does it mean to contend? When he says we're to contend, he said, he, he's meaning we are to intentionally stand for the gospel. We are intentionally to stand for Christ. But I want to point out that we are to contend without being contentious. The definition of the word contentious is given to angry debate, quarrelsome, perverse. And while contentious, I mean, it comes from the word contend, uh, it's, it's different. To be non-contentious is to not cause or not likely cause an argument. And this is the biblical way to contend. Is it, the biblical model, the biblical picture is that we are to contend non-contentiously. Does that make sense? Let's, let's look at some verses. It, it does make sense. I hope it makes sense to you. Look, let's look at some verses. 1 Peter 3.15. Peter says, Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So you see that? It's contend, give a reason, but do it with gentleness and respect. Do it non-contentiously. 1 Peter 2.12. Keep your conduct, your action among the nations, so among people, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, all oh, those Christians, there's too many of them, they're, they're the ones polluting our society, false myths, these myths about God and his existence. But when they say bad things, they would see your good deeds and they'd glorify God on the day that he visits us. Titus 2.8 says the same thing. Live in such a way that the opponent would have nothing bad to say about you. Or Colossians 4, 5, and 6 Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer each person. So basically, the gospel is offensive enough. We don't need to be offensive, like the way that we present the gospel. The gospel is the great offense. We are called to be non-contentious in our presentation of the gospel, both word and action. And this is a lot easier to talk about, to read about, or to just listen to sermons about than it is to do. But God is calling us to do it. He's calling us to contend for the faith. And I just want you to know, he's not leading us into misery. This is not uh, a masochist, uh, an exercise in, in masochism where we, we, we drive into pain. We want pain. He's leading us to a life of joy. 
the book of Jude ends with the picture of us being presented before God with great joy. So, so contending for the faith, it, it might make you uncomfortable, it might get your heart rate up, but it's a path to joy. And so Jude, th- Jude gives us some instructions on how we are to contend, and I'm just going to try to fly over these because uh, we'll dig into all of this more later. But how we are to contend, it's, we, it's what we've been talking about the last year. Walk with God, walk with people. You see, walk with God in verses 20 and 21. Build yourselves up in the faith. Pray. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Look forward to Jesus' return. Then he says, walk with people, verses 22 to 23. He seems to be implying very strongly, very strong implication, that you walk with ungodly people as well as godly. Of course, they shouldn't be, I don't think he's implying like your best friends should be ungodly sinners who have no interest in God because... We're all impacted by the people we hang out with. But he's saying, like, he he called them the ones who snuck into the church, basically, at the very beginning of the letter. But he never says, kick them out. Purge the evil from among you. He does not do that. Instead, Jude's picture of contending non-contentiously is, here's a hand. Grab my hand. Like, follow Jesus. Repent and believe. Eternal judgment is coming. Jude is a very intense book. And so this is going to be a little bit of an intense series because he's talking about eternal judgment. But he's saying, yes, I'll be your friend, but no, I won't get drunk with you. Yes, I'll be your friend, but no, that is sexual immorality. That has no place in your life if you claim to follow Jesus. Or if you claim to follow Jesus, but you're living in sin, like, are you really a believer? Jude, Jude is, is confronting the evil that has infiltrated the church, the evil that's around us. And Jude is saying, we're to rescue them, but not at all costs. We're to invite them to come to Jesus, but not on your terms. We follow Jesus on his terms. He is Lord. He is leader. He has authority to tell us to do whatever he wants. The answer is yes, Jesus, no matter what the question is. And we don't earn our salvation. We trust him alone to forgive our sins and to make us right with God. So Jude's picture of contending non-contentiously is extending a hand to snatch them out of the fire. But man, if they, if they give you that garment of immorality, if they try to change the terms of their relationship with God, man, you're fearful of that. You, you, you have nothing to do with that. And so... So these themes, they work together in a powerful way. It's a dark world. We're to contend in the midst of this dark world. We're to have a hand reached out, extending to snatch them out of the fire. And how are we going to do I hope you feel that. I feel that. How, how am I going to do that? I don't have what it takes, but we have who it takes. The third big theme is that God himself will keep us to the end that God will keep us to the end, that we contend our whole lives and we are drained and tired and, you know, at our wit's end, but we can be confident that God will keep us to the end. And it ends, th- this book ends with a beautiful doxology, a beautiful word of praise to him who's able to keep you from falling 
to him who's able to present you before his glorious presence without fault. You're reaching out to all these all this ungodliness around you and inviting them into the kingdom and you're, pre- you're presented before God without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. And that is the promise that gives us the confidence that we need to contend for the faith right now. That's the sure promise of the gospel that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, remember, the gospel is what inspires all of our efforts. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will stand in his presence blameless and with great joy. So the light of Jesus shines in the darkness of the world and the darkness of our own souls and the darkness of the world has not overcome it. So, The light is to shine as we contend non-contentiously. And we know the final outcome. Like Jude gives us, here's the final outcome. God will keep you to the end. Now the choice is ours. Are we going to live faithfully or not? And so turning to application specifically and ending our time applying this book, I just want to start by saying you cannot contend for that which you do not believe. Nobody in the world was ever born a Christian. No one is born a Christ follower. Everyone is born into sin. So each one of us has to repent, turn away from ourself. That's what the word repent means, is to change your mind. Turn away from ourself and turn to God. Trust him fully. That's the first application. And if you haven't done that, you can do that today. Just tell God, I'm a sinner I choose to repent and I choose to believe you. And then just tell someone else that you made that decision today because we need to live in community. God works through community. The second application is that we should expect ungodliness. We should expect the world to be a dark place and we should expect to engage it with the gospel. That, and I'm not trying to be simplistic when I say this, but all of the problems that you see on the local news and the world news and that you experience in your own life, the root of those problems is sin. The remedy to those problems is restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. What our world needs most, this is what I'm saying, what our world needs most is not better politicians, it's the gospel. That's what we all need the most. And so, as you're working with coworkers, as you're living among neighbors, as you're interacting with old lifelong friends, as you're checking out of the grocery store, just remember what this person needs most is the gospel. They need Christ. And it'll be a struggle. I mean, this is not easy to engage our culture, to engage our world of lostness. And there's been different ways that the church has promoted relating to lostness, like Christ without culture, like, hey, let's get away. Let's just run away together. <laughs> and run away from the bad people, the bad influences. That's Christ without culture. Then there's Christ against culture. Hey, there they are. Go get them. There's the bad guys. Uh, that's Christ against culture. Um, that's opposition. But I believe the biblical model, the biblical way is Christ in 
culture, that we are to live godly lives among them. And this is what Jude seems to be implying, that yes, they snuck in, but what you do is you extend a hand. You build yourself up in the faith, and you extend a hand to offer them salvation in Jesus. And this, I believe this is what God did in sending his son, that as the Father, Jesus prayed this, Father, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them, my followers, into the world. And as he sends us out, Jesus changes lives. And as lives change, culture changes. And as culture changes, the world changes. So let's pray. And just start by talking to God about any insecurities that you have about engaging darkness or lostness around you. God's not going to be surprised with your insecurities. So just talk to God about any insecurities that you might have in the midst of whatever you're feeling and talking with God about. Choose to believe that contending and intentionally standing up for the gospel and for Christ, that really is God's best for you, that there's great joy for us in that. Jesus, we say thank you for sending us into the world as the Father sent you into the world.